for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's a beautiful thing when we meet and we can talk face to face and see each other. We haven't seen the whole week. I got a call this week from Spokane. A guy watched me on YouTube and you never know who's watching, you know. God knows. I don't try to keep track with him, but hey. Seem like God is using different methods and different means to reach people now. Uh, if you want to use Facebook and YouTube or whatever means he wants, since he's God and I'm not, you can do, you can do what he wants. If it's going to reach people, you know, the, the method might change, but the message would never change. So I know a lot of unbelievers now, since they shut in, a lot of people are in fear. And a lot of unbelievers are watching us on Facebook. And I'm getting uh, people contact me. I never even heard. I, don't, I never met them before. They've seen me, but I don't know who, what they look like. So I got to watch myself when I go out someplace. I, I never know when I'm being watched. You know what I mean? But I get this call from Spokane this week, and he says, Joe, he says, man, let me tell you something. I got something from the Lord. I go, what is it, man? When people tell me they got something from the Lord, I'm always leery, you know. Is this from the Lord or is it from the devil? I'm, okay, let me, God, give me the sermon here, you know what I mean? He said, stay the course. I go, what do you mean? He says, stay the course. He said, don't waver. Don't waver. And I'm telling you today, stay the course. Don't waver. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We can't be wishy-washy back and forth, up and down, in and out. We got to stay the course regardless. God knows what's ahead. God knows what's ahead. God never promised to remove all the storms from us. I wish he would. No one likes trials. No one likes storms. Uh, God has never said he was going to remove all the storms from us, but he said he would go with us in spite of the storm. No one enjoys it. But you know, if you never had a problem, you would never know God could solve them. So I'm telling you, don't get discouraged. Don't look on what's going on around you because a lot of these things you're watching, it's not even true. It's social media, it's internet, you know. People believe it and they're getting scared out of their wits. Just stick to the word of God and pray every day and, and hide the word of God in your life and spend time with him. That's where you get your peace. And that's where you get your strength. So we are going through the book of Revelation. And, you know, it's last week we left off with the fifth and the sixth trumpet. And the very last of that chapter said that, you know, they went through so much in that one chapter. They've been going through a lot because we're going through the great, the great tribulation. How many sermons do you hear today talk about the great tribulation? How many sermons you hear today talk about hell? How many sermons you hear today talk about judgment? How many sermons you hear today talk about the wrath of God? How many? 
Oh, we can preach on the love of God all day. I mean, we all can do that, but the wrath is coming and the judgment is coming. And God has removed his hand and now everything's falling apart. Hopefully, it will cause people to repent. You know, it was tormented last week, we said, for five months, you know, and they, they were in so much pain, they tried to seek death, and death, they couldn't die. And a third of mankind was killed. But the, verse 20, it said, but the rest, the people who remained, the rest of them on the earth, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of their works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols and of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They knew that judgment was coming from God. In the middle of the judgment, in the middle of everything that is going on, they still didn't repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their drugs, of their sexual immoralities, of their theft. So basically what happened, they kept doing the same thing they always did, and they, they wouldn't change. Matter of fact, their hearts became so hardened, things got worse. Well, Revelation chapter 10, verse 1 through 11 this morning, the mighty angel with the little book. Revelation chapter 10, verse 1 through 11. I'll read it first. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders altered their voice, their voices. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up these things which the seven thunders uttered. Do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be, that there should delay no longer. But in the days of the sound of the seven trumpets, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, and he declared to his servants, the prophet, then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take your little book, which is open in the hands of the angels who stand on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take it, take and eat it. And it will be to your stomach bitter, but it will be sweet as honey to your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it. And it was the sweetest honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many people, tongues, nations, and kings. So this mighty angel, verse 10, he said, I saw another mighty angel 
coming down from heaven, from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face like sun, and his feet like uh, pillars of fire. He's still using the word like. More than 60 references to angels are referenced to Revelation. These are God's army to accomplish his purpose here on earth. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews to beware how you entertain strangers because you could be entertaining an angel unaware and don't even know it. Believers today seldom think about angels, but they all around and God has a lot of them to accomplish his mission here on earth. Hebrews 1.14 say, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? The angels, this particular angel amazes us for he is, some say he is Jesus Christ himself. We first see the rainbow, it says that in verse 1. We, but we first see the rainbow around the throne, Revelation 4, 3. Now it sits like a crown on the head of this messenger. The rainbow was God's sign to mankind that he would never destroy the earth again. Every time you see a rainbow, it's a promise that God would never destroy the earth with rain again, with the flood. God remembered and God was going to, he's going to remember his covenant. He said, but a rainbow was on his head, the token of God's mercy, his covenant, and his peace. That even in judgment, God would always remember what he promised Noah, that he would never, next time you're going to destroy the world in fire and not water. But he said in the clouds there in verse 1, he said he was clothed in clouds. God is often identified with clouds, symbolizes his presence. God led Israel by a glorious cloud, Exodus 16. And dark clouds covered Sinai when the law was given to Moses. When God appeared to Moses in the, uh, with a cloud, it's a symbol of his presence. You know, the Bible said when Jesus comes, he's going to come in the clouds. He was going to turn in the clouds. And we will be caught up in the clouds, 1 Thessalonians 4, in the rapture of the church. The church will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The fact that the angels face, he said, as the sun, bright, pillars of fire. That same, the Israelites, you know, was Exodus 13. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead the way, and by night a pillar of fire, God's presence. Whenever the last time have you felt God's presence? Whenever the last time you felt that? Uh, you can feel God's presence if you get along with God and hear him and, and meditate on the word and prayer and his word, you can feel his presence. You can, you can feel it. 
First thing I do in the morning, I get up and grab my Bible and I pray every day. Because I know the only one going to help me in these last days is Jesus Christ. Nobody else going to help you. So my eyes is not all over here and there and everywhere. My eyes is right on Christ. Lord, help me. And I get my peace. And I get my joy. And I get my strength from him. And you can do the same thing. God is still speaking. But are we listening? But he said he had a little book open in his hand and he sat on his foot on the sea and his left foot on the land to show that the absolute power and dominion that God has over the world. And he has a, and God has a message for this world. But is this world listening? His right hand on the sea, left on the land, God is in control of everything. He's in control of the world. All creation belongs to him. This little book is really a scroll which contains the record of the judgments that God is unleashing. unleashing. Revelation 10, 13, 10 verse 3, and he cried with a loud voice as a lion. A lion has a lot of strength, power. When he cried, seven thunders altered their voices. The lion in the woods, you know, when, I don't know if you've ever seen a real lion, but when he roars, it's a roar of terror. This voice announcing the coming judgment of Christ. Verse 4, and now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up these things which which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. John knew that he, John knew, maybe he knew what they were, but he couldn't write them. He, if he did know he was forbidden to write, he had to, he had to keep him to himself. Maybe God, you know, just didn't show him everything. John was told he must conceal the message of the seven thunders, what was about to take place, we don't know what he was about to write. But the Lord said, seal, seal it up. God, God will make known to us what he decides to. As we grow in Christ, he will give you little bits at a time. And some things you will never know. And some things you're not supposed to know. And that's God's business. We got to do what we're supposed to do. And not be sidetracked. And be, be light and be salt and preach the gospel. That's our business. So I don't know about you, but I'm not going to try to tell God how to run his business. Because that's his business. John said, I was about to write, but he said, no, man, seal it up. Don't worry about what you don't know in the Bible. You apply the things that you do. What are you doing with what you got? That is the question. People say, God, give me more knowledge. Well, what you doing with what you got? If, if you're not using what you got, if God gave you more, would you use that? Probably not. 
God has revealed all we need for now. Now, as I move forward, he will give me more when I act on what I already know. If I want more knowledge, use the knowledge you have and God will give you more knowledge. So God didn't tell John everything and he's not going to tell you everything. And you don't have to know everything. And if he told us everything, we wouldn't understand it anyway. So I'm not trying to seek more and more and more and more and more knowledge. I'm trying to use what I got to get the gospel out there. That's what, that's what God is telling me. Now, what he's telling you, do what he tells you to do. Jesus said in John 16, 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. The disciples want more and more and more and more knowledge too. Jesus said, hey, you couldn't even bear them, man. If I even told you, you couldn't even understand it. Deuteronomy 29, 29 said, the secret things belongs to our God. But those things which are revealed belongs to us. So don't worry about it. You know, in Daniel chapter 8, he told Daniel the same thing. Seal up the book. In the vision, you know, of the evening and morning, which was, was told is true. Therefore, he said, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And I, Daniel, he said, Daniel said he fainted. After I rose, went back into the... He, he, he was so much, a little bit that he had, Daniel, Daniel fainted. Right now we live in, we see our, in a mirror darkly right now. But one day you'll, you'll see face to face. I pray that you continue to grow in Christ. Verse 6, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the, and the things that are in it, and the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delayed no longer. But in the days of, of the sounding of the seven angels, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. The mystery is something that's never been revealed. It's being revealed. We are seeing prophecy being revealed before our very eyes right now. If that don't strengthen your faith, and God has not shown us everything, no, but he's shown us enough for us to be encouraged. These are signs of the times. Jesus told us these things was going to happen. Matthew 24. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence and diseases are happening right now. It's not to discourage you. Jesus said, when I was with you, did not tell you these things? He told us that. Not to discourage you, to let you know how close we are. So whatever you're going to do for Christ, you got to do it now. That's what I do. I live every day like it's my last one. Because guess what? One day it will be. I don't got no time to waste. Not me. I'm talking about this tribulation and all the things that's going to happen to the people on the earth 
Man, we, sh it, we should be moved with compassion as believers and just go tell everybody we can. Because it's, it's going to be bad. Verse 8, John eased the little book. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angels who stand on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angels and said to him, Give me the little book or the little scroll. And he said to me, Take it and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it, and it was, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy. You must continue to tell people. Prophesy to many people, nations, towns, and kings. Hey, that's our calling too. We should be telling many people, nations, towns, and kings. He told John to continue to prophesy, continue to tell people that the judgment is coming. The word of, he said it was, when in his mouth it was sweet, but it became bitter. You know, the word of God is sweet, but in this case it speaks of judgment and will therefore be bitter in the belly as judgment is bitter. It's going to be as bitter as judgment. It goes in sweet, but John was asked to take so much of God's word that it would be part of him. And that's what you want to do. You want to take God's word into your heart so it becomes a part of you. The fact that we are saved is sweet indeed, but the fact that people we love could be going to hell if, if, if they don't repent, then like the word of God becomes bitter. Jesus said in John 12, 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So that word is going to judge that person. How do you know if you really heard the word of God? You know, you how do you know if you have compassion for the lost and if you can be convicted over your sin that you've heard, you've heard from God. But by trusting in the Savior, one can obtain eternal life. The message becomes a bitter pill to swallow when we realize that a lot of people are going to reject the gospel and they're going to face judgment. This is a bitter, sweet message. The gospel is when the gospel is received, it brings grace. When the gospel is received, it brings love and peace and mercy and forgiveness. But when the gospel is rejected, it brings judgment. It becomes bitter. God's word is sweet to us as believers because it brings encouragement. But it is sour to our stomachs because of the of the coming judgment that we know it's going to happen. And we must pronounce that judgment to, to the unbeliever. This gives me, my, it, it makes my heart heavy to see, man, all the people that, uh, that still don't believe the gospel. They still don't. Maybe they will. 
God never wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says in Genesis, but the Lord saw the wickedness of man and was great. It was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. God did not want to do that. God is waiting patiently for people to come. He didn't want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So God looked up on the earth and he said the Bible said it was corrupt. Genesis 6, 12. He said it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God told Noah, build the ark. He didn't want to destroy the world. But the Bible said there was violence on the earth. He didn't want to destroy Sodom. He didn't want to send the flood. Abraham come to the Lord and Abraham came to God. He says, God, are you, are you going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked? That's what Abraham said. I mean, God was just going to destroy them, start by gold. He said, what if I find 50 that's righteous? Would you destroy it? God said, I will not destroy it for 50. What if I find 45? He said, I won't destroy the world if you just find me 45. I will not I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if you just give me 45. And he said, well, he looked around. He couldn't find the 50 and he couldn't find the 45. So Abraham goes back to God. He says, God, forgive me. I'm only dust. Forgive me for asking. But what if I just find 40? God said, I will not destroy if you go find 40. Couldn't find 40. Abraham searched and searched and searched. Couldn't find 40 righteous people. He came back to God and said, what if I find 30? Abraham looked. Couldn't find 30. Abraham says, hey God, let's talk again. What if I find 20? Looked around, couldn't find 20. 20! Abraham said, Lord, don't be angry with me for asking again. Don't, be, don't get upset with me. But what if I find 10? 10 righteous people. Couldn't find them. 10. What happened? He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham said, are you going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked? God was not going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot got his family out of there. He said, if you got anybody in this city, get them out because the angels told Lord, get them out because God's going to destroy this place. Get them out of here. And can you imagine? God does not want to destroy America. God is waiting for America to return to him. Unless America, unless the world turns, to God, turns back to God, you will see things get progressively worse because no man has the answer. We know the problem, 
And we see the problems, but no one has the answer except Christ. As one man said, God is not destroying America. America is destroying itself from the inside. Division. The great tribulation is very hard to talk about when it comes to, you know, to teaching the word of God. But you got you to preach the whole counsel. Because Paul says in Acts 20, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of all man's blood. I have... Paul said, I have kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. You know, pastor's just a voice. All we are is just a voice crying in the wilderness. We are a voice crying in the wilderness. We asking people to come to Christ. We ask, we tell them Jesus Christ is for the whole world. Jesus Christ is for everybody who will accept him. He wants you. If you want him, he sure wants you. If you want to go to heaven, he will sure take you there. If you want forgiveness, he will, he will forgive you. John the Baptist said, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, in his ministry, said, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Because when you reject the gospel, you reject Christ. The gospel means the good news. Jesus said, I tell you, but unless you repent, you shall perish. Repent, therefore, and, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. People need to repent and be saved. God is, he is so patient. He is so patient. Sometime in my prayer time, I'm praying, God, bring the rapture, bring the rapture. And I look down my street and I see all those unbelievers out there that's going to be left behind. And I said, I don't have no compassion. Yeah, it might be a little bit uncomfortable once in a while, but I'm not really being persecuted. Not yet. I think it's coming. I think you're going to see more and more persecution until the rapture comes. Because our message convicts and our message tells people that you have to change your ways and repent. And sometimes people take it out on the preacher. Well, the preacher didn't write it. He's just repeating what God told him to say. So if you got an issue with it, you tell God about it. God is so patient because God don't want anyone to go through that tribulation. Man, sometimes the little things I complain about, the little things I complain about, I think, I says, boy, I have nothing to complain about. Nothing. I hope you don't. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I'm, I'm learning to be more and more thankful for what I have. And not for the things I don't. God is so patient, and he's waiting for people to come to him, and he's delaying that rapture, because he knows exactly how many is going to come, how many is going to go to heaven. And when that time is up, it's up. And no one knows the day or the hour and no one knows the time. We're not supposed to know. Everyone has tried to guess it was wrong. So what are we supposed to do in the meantime? Well, 
we're supposed to continue to try to live as godly life as possible. You try to love your family, you try to love your wife and your children. You try to be light and salt and reach out to the lost. And tell people that time is running out. And try to tell people do not put it off because judgment is coming. And nobody can stop it. But no one has to face it. Jesus has always given people a way out and escape. He gave his only son to down the cross to pay for your sins. A free gift. A free gift of eternal life. I'm talking about a life of peace and joy and happiness. No more pain, sickness, sorrow, or suffering. Throughout eternity. This life is so temporary. But the next life is eternal. That's why the Bible said we should not look at things that are seen. We do. Most people I know look at things that are seen. But the Bible says uh, look at things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are temporary. Everything you got, you got to leave it. Everything. But the things that are not seen are eternal. So I got to have my focus in the right place. I can't be looking at temporary things that's going to pass. But I feel an urgency in my spirit when I see the unbeliever. And I see how many people that don't know the Lord that's going to face this tribulation. And I'm thinking, boy, if, if I don't have compassion for the laws, then something's wrong with me. Maybe my heart is hardened or something. Because I don't think anybody wants to go through this. And if you know unbelievers on your job, in your neighborhood, in your families, some of you guys, you guys might even have family members who are not saved. And if you're a believer, don't separate yourself from those people. Jesus never separated himself from the sinners. He was called a friend of sinners. He never separated himself from the sinners. The Bible says he came and he to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he did. Shouldn't we follow the same example? In Christ our example? Okay, then we should have a heart for the lost. Do you know how bad it's going to be? You know, but they don't know unless somebody tell them. The whole world is oblivious to the judgment to come. They don't even know it. But it's coming. And we got the message. Jesus said the harvest is truly ripe, but the laborers are few. You should be able to walk up to anybody and start a conversation. Because you got the truth. And you want to turn that conversation around to Christ. Say, hey, do you, do you know Christ? Are you a believer? You get all kinds of answers, but you know, you want to at least ask the question. And once you ask the question, you are not responsible for the results. Once you give the message out, you can't change anybody. You can't change anybody's heart. You can't save anybody. But what you can do is deliver the message. 
And that's what we're supposed to do. The guy behind you might, in, he might, you might sow, but the guy behind you, he might water the seed, but God will give the increase. You just sow the seed. I tell you what, if God's going to move, it's going to be through his people. So I'm trying to get the people to go, hey, man, uh, get out there and tell somebody, anybody. And I pray that God would use each one of us to do just that, knowing how bad it's going to get. Fear. Some people are fearful. Depressed. Suicide is up. And we got the answer. So I pray for each one of us here today that we can take that message to a dying world. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for your many blessings. We ask God you would use each one of us for your glory and help us not to keep silent since we have the truth. And if you're here today, you have not received Christ. This is your opportunity. Anyone here before we close? If you're here and you have not received Christ, raise your hand. We'll pray with you. Anyone here? God has never turned anyone down yet. Did you know that? And if you want Christ, he is not going to turn you down. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. And forgive me of my sins. I believe you died and you rose again on the third day. And I invite you right now to come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer. The Bible says, all that the Father has given me shall come to me. And he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Never turned anybody down, no matter what you've done. That's, a beautiful, that's beautiful. That he can turn a sinner into a saint. And wipe your name clean and write your name.